Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me I have Logan. How are you, Logan? Evening, Alex. Yeah, doing okay. I mean, look, uh, another disappointing result at the weekend. Uh, I mean, a, a very ambitious uh, kind of feeling to to hope that we were going to take three points against a, um, a Sheffield United side that's absolutely cooking. But, um, you know, we can be optimistic. And I guess when you've got crowds that big, uh, returning to the KCOM, uh, there's still a reason to, um, you know, to, to hold on to that hope. So disappointing result, but apart from that, uh, you know, things are going pretty well. Yeah, awesome. Awesome sight to see such a large crowd. I, I can't remember if they quoted the year since we've had that sort of crowd for a league game, but it's got to have been, I'd, I'd have thought maybe the 2014-15 season under Bruce, that second Premier League season. I can't think we've had many over 20,000 since then. Um, so really cool to see. And 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 as you say, I mean, Chef United kind of, they're, they're first in the table. They're kind of thrashing a lot of sides um, each week. And a bit like that West Brom game, in a way, despite the fact that we lost this game, you actually come away from it feeling quite heartened with the display and, and how we, we created some chances and actually looked quite promising in, in, in um, periods of the game. Oh, absolutely. And I guess that the the one thing that nearly every City fan will be bemoaning at this point in time is just the, the injury toll. Uh, yeah. We spoke at length, uh, you know, heading into the season about how long it may take this team to gel, given the sheer amount of, of brand new signings. But uh, it's pretty hard to, you know, judge a team on how well they gel when it's going to be quite some time before we imagine they will end up all playing together. Yeah, that's right. Um, so we did see with the lineup, um, uh, Woods came back into the side along with Coyle and Tufan. So it was good. It was good to see Tufan coming back from injury and and Seri, of course, on the bench as well, uh, with Cannon Longman and Christie making way. Um, and as you touch on there as well with the injuries, obviously Tete going down after fourteen minutes. Uh, I, I thought it was actually a groin injury, but I think post match um, Shotter said it was actually a hamstring injury. So not too sure how long that keeps him out for. And unfortunately, I saw that he was. Um, he was named in the Ghanaian uh, national team for their international friendlies um, coming up in just two weeks, I think. So presumably that's going to keep him out for those. Um, positively, though, I did see Shotter said as well on um, on Alfie Jones that it was just cramp that he came off with. So hopefully that means that he's all right for the uh, for the next game. But yeah, look, I mean, a couple of players back from injury, then we get a player off um, off injured. It just seems like we can't really get a catch a trick at the moment. No, absolutely. And I, I guess that, you know, it's it's key key positions too, like uh, the mm. combinations that we started to see, particularly between Tede and um, and Oscar up front uh, and, you know, their ability to link up. It's um, that injury actually I thought for, to Tede looked uh, probably um, more serious in the sense that uh, when he was, uh, you know, heading towards the sideline and even once he was off, he, he was hardly moving. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that's that really surprises me to hear that, you know, he's been named in the, the Ghanaian squad um, in, in just two weeks' time. So hopefully, um, if we're reading into that, it's actually good news and um, perhaps the yeah. injury isn't as severe as it potentially looked. Yeah, or, or or is just sort of going along to be part of the squad. But fingers crossed it's the former um, and he's um, sort of right to go for them. Um, I guess in terms of other players that we saw make appearances, we saw Pelkus come on to make his debut, obviously signed on deadline day on loan. Um, McLaughlin came on to replace Jones, who I actually thought looked really promising. So, uh, you know, you, you you wouldn't want to wish injury on players or anything like that, but obviously uh, with McLaughlin as a sort of ready-made deputy for Jones, it's not it's not the end of the world if we did have to have McLaughlin step into the breach uh, for Jones. But, yeah, I thought, I thought he, he uh, looked pretty promising. 
Yeah, not at all. And I, you know, I guess if we're to take, uh, you know, a positive from this ridiculous injury toll that we were currently experiencing, is the fact that there is um, obviously a really clear depth in the squad now. Where even when those key players do seem to, uh, you know, fall down, uh, we're able to replace them with with someone of, a, um, you know, a decent ilk. And I think that's a huge difference between, you know, perhaps the, the city of the last couple of years uh, where we, we haven't actually really been using any transfer fees. Uh, it's all been kind of loan players from the lower leagues as well, uh, you know, making up our squad. So the fact that we've actually gone out and made those purchases it's and, and still retained, um, you know, some pretty significant players uh, in familiar faces like your, your Mick Lachlan's, uh, it does bode well for, I guess, the future. And um, gives us a, a very good reason to um, to still be optimistic. Absolutely. Um, and then just on the Sheffield United goals, um, I guess the first goal coming reasonably early in the match, Ingram maybe a little bit unsighted. Maybe the ball takes a bit of a bobble. Maybe being a bit um, a bit um, favourable to him on that one. But what did you make of that goal in particular? I think the second one. Second one's just not, not, you can't really do too much about it. But I think that first one in particular was probably one that a few people have questioned. Yeah, look, to, to be super critical, I thought Ingram definitely could have done better. At least it appeared that way live. Um, as you mentioned, mm. you know, was he unsighted? Potentially, but he just looked a little bit slow to get down on that um, on that near post and obviously just crept in. Um, yeah, look, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I know that over the, particularly the first few games, he's, he's been instrumental in... Um, in, in retaining points and um, and keeping clean sheets as well. So, uh, you know, I guess it ebbs and flows when you're a keeper, but um, I'm sure that he'd watch that back and wouldn't find that as uh, certainly his best moment as a, as a keeper. I guess the concern for him as well is we have such an able deputy in Nathan Baxter waiting in the wings. Um, I, I, I wouldn't want to drop a keeper off one bad mistake because I think that probably sends a pretty bad message to the keepers that, you know, they'd be very... Um, sort of, I guess they get in their own heads about mistakes if it's going to be just one error and they're out of the side. But I can't imagine that we'd want to keep Baxter on the bench the whole season. So do you sort of see maybe the international break in a couple of weeks that Shotter might take that as an opportunity to, to mix things up and say to Ingram, you know, that's all right, put that mistake behind you, play the next couple of games, but then look over the international break at potentially changing things up? Look, it's a fascinating one. And I, I guess the other thing to, to think about with this is, you know, we, we always talk about as fans what we see, but we don't necessarily or we're not privy to the information that comes out of training. I'm, I'm sure that in the city camp, they would have a, a feeling who their out-and-out number one is, um, even though for us, you could kind of throw a blanket over um, Ingram and Baxter. I think they've both uh, had in, the, in their time under the... Um, in their time in City, they have had some incredibly impressive patches, like runs of, of games where we've been singing their praises, um, you know, as we've just been talking about the the form that Ingram started the season with. So, look, I'd be... Uh, where they rate the, the keeping kind of, you know, priority list, I think it would be a very fascinating thing to, um, to kind of have that information divulge. But I, I don't think Ingram has done enough to, uh, as mm. you said, lose his spot. Uh, but you're yeah. right, maybe, maybe the fact that you do have a keeper of the calibre of Baxter waiting in the wings, as you as you mentioned, uh, it'd be hard to keep him there, you know, for for too much longer, given the fact that they do seem very close in um, as far as, like, uh, ability. 
Yeah, that's right. And I think the fact that we've probably gone a couple, we, we, I think we've got the most goals considered in the league now. Um, granted, I don't think that's at all down to Ingram. I think Ingram, if anything, has been keeping the goals down in games. Um, but I, I do wonder if, I think maybe that international break is a good excuse to sort of reset the squad and say that, you know, coming out the other side, it's a fresh 11. It's not necessarily the same 11 that started the previous game. There might be a way to work it like that, where it's not so much dropping Ingram as just giving Baxter a chance. But look, it's going to be interesting to see. And and as we get more players returning from injuries, I know Cynic's due back in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, Seri's back in the side just about. Uh, we've got a lot of players to now fit into that 11 that it's going to be interesting to see uh, just just how that 11 takes shape the other side of that international break. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it gives us a, a you know very good cause for optimism given the fact that the international break is here. And, you know, you talk about the the extent of this injury toll, knowing that it is just around the corner. It's um kind of one of those, you know, safety nets that we can we can look forward to and hope that uh with the with the timing allows us to to get a few key players back. Yeah, that's right. Um so I guess on to the more painful element of the game, I guess is the near misses that we had and there were a couple of them. Um, I guess, yeah, it's actually interesting. I don't know your take on which is the more clear-cut chance, whether it's Oscar's breakaway from um, inside Aaron half or if it's Tufan being played in over the top where he just needs to take a touch and he's able to slot it either side of the keeper, I would have thought, uh, but goes for the chip instead. Um, and then even arguably uh, Longman as well, um, courtesy of that elder, the brilliant through ball from elder in the um in the second half where longman sort of takes that touch wide and then just blast it sort of wide of the goal um we, we we had our chances we didn't really take any of them it, it, we sort of started by saying that it bodes well that we can come away reasonably optimistic about the chances we created but yeah wh- which which of those probably feels the the worst miss in your mind look to, to be honest the the double save um on on oscar when fodderingham got to that second one i was in disbelief just yeah given the fact that you know we've seen how prolific oscar started the season um you know when when he made that first save you kind of thought oh like he's done well oscar probably could have done better but the second one was just you know beyond words i'm i'm speechless to the fact that it didn't uh, you know ripple the the back net and um yeah look uh, it's it's not a, a nice question to answer but uh, <laughs> I guess that they're all kind of poor, poor in their own right. But I was the most amazed at the the Oscar, Oscar second yeah. follow up miss. It feels Oscar. like with Oscar that it was almost as if he had too much time, and it seems like given the the nature of his goals over the first couple of weeks of the season, that it's almost when he when he's able to play on an instinct that he's actually able to just tuck the ball away. Whereas giving him the whole half of the pitch to run through and, and sort of think in his mind about, is he going to play it past the keeper through the legs? What's he going to do with it? You even see when he first goes to take the shot, he takes the sort of the double take because he's, I guess, arguably trying to fake out the keeper, but also probably just trying to figure out where he wants to place it. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I would like to return this question to you. Which one did you think was the worst? Uh, yeah, look, I think, I think, I'd actually arguably say a two fan because the, the reason I'll say two fan is because I guess I'm more critical of that one because I think he's trying to be cute with it. I think he, he he's so com- and look, that's a really good thing as well. Like a player to have that sort of confidence is awesome. Um, but when you're one nil down, I don't think that's the time to be cute with a, a finish like that. I think he just needs to take that touch to bring it down. And then he's, he's in acres of space to do something with it. Um, but mm-hmm. to go the, uh, sort of the first time chip, I guess means that it's not necessarily that was the easiest miss, but I think that was sort of the most, um, Un- unforgivable i guess is is the word for it um just in the sense that like i think he could have done a whole lot better with it 
Um, but yeah, tough one. Um, yeah, I guess other than that, uh, there wasn't a whole lot to touch on. I guess um, Slater uh, was voted man of the match by the supporters, which was awesome to see, obviously playing against his former side for the first time. Um, really promising display in midfield. I thought Elder looked really great um, at left back. I think it was one of his, probably arguably his best performance of the season, really. I mean, he put some really great balls over the top uh, for for um, Oscar and then in that second half for Longman. Um, any other, well, I guess we'll do the votes in a second, but any other standouts for you? I, I don't have any other standouts. I think that probably the two things that I'd say is I think if Oscar gets on the score sheet, he's probably uh, a, a shoe-in for, um, well, yeah, you certainly be looking at him for, for points. But I did want to touch on Callum Elder. I know that if we only remember a, a few short weeks ago, there was a lot of discussion whether he was unsettled at the club and, um, you know, whether he's... Uh, whether he's going to be in the starting lineup and what what Shotter was going to kind of do with him, I I think he's been very sneakily, um, you know, performing under the radar. Like he's the uh, performances that he's put in uh, so far have been fantastic, and just to see the um, the the amount of chances that he's created as well um, is a is an incredible feat. I know that obviously there was the own goal against uh, West Brom uh, that you know whether whether that was necessarily his fault or not, but I know it would have certainly felt like it. But apart from that, I think he's been um he's been up there in the conversation of certainly top five players. So um, you know, fair play to him. And I think it's worth, you know, noting that uh for someone who seem seemingly was on the kind of on the fringes in um in the offseason is has really answered the critics. So um, you know, well done to him. And I thought he was he was brilliant. Yeah, well, um, on on that note, we'll, we'll go into the um, votes for the game. And, and I did actually give Elder my three votes. I thought, um, as we've just pretty much touched on, I thought he was outstanding. I think his his creative ability, his balls into space for our forwards to run onto. Um, there was so much criticism during the game of the sort of the sideways and the backwards passing from a lot of the players, especially in defence. And I think Elder was one of the real sparks in trying to push the ball forward and, and create those chances. So he was um he was a real standout for me. Um, I did actually have a different player for two votes, but I've um, talked myself around uh, through my criticism of, of a certain player previously. Uh, so I'll actually give the two votes to Slater, um, mm. getting the man of the match. I think it was really deserving for him, um, especially as we sort of said, up against his former side who released him or basically sold him for £50,000, which uh, just seems absolutely criminal when you look at the displays he's putting in. Um, I gave the one vote to Oscar. I think you could debate about whether he deserved that or not, um, given the miss. But I think, I mean, he was the one that played the ball in for Tufan for his his own chance. Um, and we sort of talked before about their link up in the game against Burnley. And, and we're sort of starting to see it more and more where those two have really developed a great understanding. And um, I thought Oscar has been looking really lively and uh I'm just sort of nervous when you see Tede going down injured and you look at the the work rate from Oscar game in, game out, I just sort of knock on wood, you know, cross all my fingers and toes that he just stays fit because he's such a creative spark for us and a, and a hugely important player. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, I don't disagree largely with your votes. I would have given my three three points to Slater as well. I would have gone uh, Slater, for two, uh, Slater for three, Elder for two and Oscar for one. Yeah, oh, good chat. Um, so off the field, obviously, the transfer window has shut. We did do an episode on Monday. I, I recorded an episode with Brad where we went through all the ins and outs as well as players who've re-signed with new deals with the club. So uh, if you haven't already, go check that episode out uh, where that discussion is done in full. Um, I don't know, Logan, were there any standouts for you that you wanted to touch on? 
No, not nothing, yeah. nothing in particular. I think that was, you know the the success of the transfer window has has been one that um, it's really hard to be critical. I think that just in, all in all, the the fact that the the manager is you know being supported by the owner, and we've got a reason to be excited. And you know, as I said before, we still don't even really know what we've got in the sense that we haven't seen a large amount of these signings. But the fact that there is a core and um, and fees being paid for players, um, and particularly the fact that there's some really promising young players that that um, that, that come with you know uh, huge wraps. That uh, if, if we're the club that develops them, uh, you know how important that can be in a in a championship playoff run. So um, I'm excited about it, and I think that it's just worth noting just how good a window it's it's been. Yeah, no doubt. Um, well, then, before we move on, um, for everyone listening in, hopefully you're enjoying this episode. If you can, like the video. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel for all our videos and content. Uh, if you're listening on uh, Spotify or, or wherever else you get your podcasts, if you leave a review, that always helps us as well. Um, but just uh, keep su- subscribe, keep keep listening. Um, we enjoy the, uh, the content. Um, okay, well, we'll move on then. And before we preview our games coming up this week, we'll play our game of Who Am I, if you're ready for that one, Logan. Ready as I'll ever be. Good stuff. All right. Okay, so um, I made 82 league appearances for City and scored 27 league goals. And I'll throw in that he also scored four FA Cup goals. 87, 27 goals, League Cup. Okay, that's that, that's reasonably prolific, actually. Uh, it's a one in four. Oh, geez, this can't be too many players. <laughs> it's probably a short list, yeah. Um, uh, and 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 only eighty something appearances too. So they weren't at the club for for too long. Ah, uh, ooh. Okay, you have to give me one more clue, I think. I joined City in 2011 and departed in 2014. Oh, okay. Um, and I can give you the club that he signed for. If I, Well, yeah, actually, I don't know if that will help, but I can give you the... I can either give you the club he signed for or the club he signed from. Uh, give me the club that he signed from. I, I joined City from Leicester. Uh, okay, um, from Leicester. Oh, this is. Oh, why am I not getting this? From Leicester. Um, oh, I, I can imagine the amount of people listening to this pulling their. <laughs> No, look, it is, it, it's it's one of those ones actually where I'm like the clues, the clues are good in the sense that it gives you a good sort of level of information, but it's still a tough player to get. From Leicester, I just think twenty something goals that that's that's memorable. Um, okay, can you give me the club that he went to? I I left City in 2014 and joined Nottingham Forest. Uh, and the reason I don't know if that one's going to help is I don't know if he played that much for them. This this has really stumped me, and it's incredibly frustrating that it has. Um, it's not 
no, that's it's too early to be Michael Dawson. No, no, he, yeah. no I don't. Who signed? Was uh, so if if I give you, I'll give you one more I'll, before I go to position and number. I'll say it was the first window under the Alums in twenty eleven. So Nigel Pearson was the manager. So obviously he was, and he was signing a, a, pla- a former player from Leicester. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you, so, so he's, I, I played as a striker and I wore the number 12. And the, and the reason that I'm mentioning the FA Cup goals is his uh, contribution in our 2013 FA Cup run. Oh, Okay. Um, um, who scored day? This, this is probably <laughs> this is this is going to make I think it's just I think it's just one of those it's the it's the it's the the mind blank I reckon so the initials are MF oh Matty Fry of course there you go yeah no look it, it's a it, it, it was I actually really enjoyed this well I guess you probably wouldn't have enjoyed it too much, but I enjoyed it in the sense that I think the, the, it was good clues, but it's it's a tough player to get because it's just such a different era. Do you, you know, I actually feel ashamed having uh, having not got this one because, uh, you know, shout out to Matty Fry. I think he was just an incredible striker, particularly in that in that time period. Like the the amount of goals that he was uh, responsible for um, and, and like just incredibly dependent. Um, yeah, I I just I, I feel like the when I heard his name or when I heard the initials straight away it kind of made me feel ashamed to uh, be a, a city fan and not remember <laughs> someone who, no. who really, really was a great steward for the club. So sorry, oh, he, he, he was, but I think I think to give you an out, the fact that he was injured so so often in those latter seasons, I think it it made it not easy to forget him because I think that's a bit harsh on him. But it, he sort of doesn't feel like he was at the club for as long as he was. Yeah, certainly plagued plagued by injuries, but an yeah. incredibly gifted player, and also like just one of those strikers who you know by no means was uh, was incredibly fast, didn't necessarily have um, you know amazing attributes, but was just a very clinical finisher. Yeah, like he got that. Go- Speaking about Sheffield United, obviously came on at halftime in that semi final and uh, sort of kicked us into gear in that game. So um, certainly a uh, really dependable striker for us. Yeah. Um, Cool. Okay. Well, we'll move on then uh, to our previews. We've got two games to look forward to. Really, I think an opportunity to pick up six points, to be honest. I mean, we've got Cardiff first up uh, this weekend uh, where they've got two wins in their last five. Uh, sorry, they've got two wins in their last five against us, but they've lost three of their last five in the league with no wins uh, in between. Um, so in a bit of a rut of form themselves, um, I think probably the only side to rival us in terms of incomings this this summer, uh, they signed plenty of players. Um so really tried to turn over their squad. Um, but really, we're, we're sort of looking now at a, a set of fixtures where we've kind of gone past the, the Chef United, the Burnley, the West Brom sort of sides where we can really target some games to pick up wins. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we we spend our life talking about the difficulty of the championship. And, you know, I, I guess so many people do. When you think about the, the quality that exists, um, you know, across the board and how many of those kind of, ex-Premier League teams over the last couple of years that are still incredibly dangerous. And, you know, we're about to talk about Stoke as well. So I saw from the run sheet, but, 
you know, these names like your Cardiff, your Stokes, your Burnleys, Norwiches, um, West Broms, like it is just an incredibly difficult uh, field. But as you mentioned, like the fact that we're looking at Cardiff and Stoke going, you know, this this should or could well be uh, a fine opportunity for six points, uh, you know, probably lends itself to the, the confidence that we still do have that we can really mix it with some of these, uh, you know, pedigree sides, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, and 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 not meaning any disrespect to Cardiff, but I look at the 11 that they put out and I don't see a particular player there that, that really stands out as um, as a real threat to us in the same way. I mean, we'll talk about Stoke in a second, as you say, and I think they do have those sorts of players, even though they're not in particularly good form. They've got those individuals that can turn a game, as we saw last season when they um, dismantled us really under um, when we were playing them under McCann. Um, but Cardiff, I think... Cardiff, uh, especially with um, Steve Morrison as manager, seem much more of a, I kind of compare them to like the Millwalls and the Prestons of the league where they're more, you know, the sum of their parts is greater than than the individual sort of sort of mm-hmm. team where I think they've got a really balanced sort of side, um, but one that we can really get at and, and really should be on our day able to, to really put away. Sort of, you know, you look at the Coventry fixture and I think it should be that sort of, that sort of great game for us where we can sort of stamp a bit of authority on it. Yeah, absolutely. No reason to, to to go there. I mean, it, it is away, so I guess the the challenge is that you, you're returning from a, a bouncing KCOM where uh, you'd be pretty disappointed with that result to then have to travel to to Wales. And, you know, mm. it, it is a tricky fixture in that respect. Um, but yeah, certainly um, a game where we can at least be certainly targeting one point, but but hopefully three. Um, and then changes for this side, uh, for this game. I mean, obviously, Tete will be out with that injury. Potentially a chance. I mean, we've got a couple of signings that you could potentially throw in, whether it's a Pelkus or, or even a, a Vale, potentially. Um, we have we didn't even get a look at him um, against Sheffield United. Um, we've already sort of touched on Ingram probably retaining that spot. I don't think you, you, you move him out of the side too quickly. Jones, I mean, you know, if shot is to be believed, he's fine. But... Yeah. You, you never know if they're playing sort of smoke and mirrors with that one. Um, how do you see the lineup for this game? Yeah, the only, uh, I guess, the, you know, it is the injury clouds, probably the thing that makes it the most confusing to pick. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see Pelkis or um, or Seri start as well in, um, you know, in, in some respects. that I, I know the fans are certainly eager to see, uh, you know, the combination of, of Pelkis and Tufan together. Um, and, you know, the fact that Seri was certainly, uh, you know, at least labelled our, our most important signing and uh, the, the, the player that came with the most kind of backing. So uh, it doesn't make sense to to have them on the, the bench. I'm probably uh, more likely to see Seri start, I think, than we would be likely to see Pelkis. But, you know, it's, it would be fascinating to see how they, they set up at the moment with, with the amount of players that we do have missing. It is kind of hard to pick these lineups. Yeah, the, and the number of midfield signings we've made and we're trying to fit six yeah. or seven or eight midfielders into basically three or four positions. Um, you sort of think about the fact that, you know, if you're saying that Seri's going to start, then you're basically dropping Woods or Slater to the bench and you're hard-pressed to find a reason to, to, to bench either of them. But then, as you say, you're sort of looking at Seri and saying, well, he's he's got to start. So, uh, look, it's going to be really interesting to see how we line up. And, look, maybe it's a change of formation to try and fit a few more of them in. We go at the back perhaps and and sort of stack the midfield i'm not sure but uh it'll certainly be interesting um what's your what's your sense of a score for this one well i i can't see too many goals in this i think that 
if if we're going to snatch it, it'll be one nil. I sadly, I think it's probably more likely to be one one. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I, I think I, I agree. I think it'll be a low scoring game. Uh, yeah, look, I'll, I'll take a one nil win and, and and grab that clean sheet and uh, pick up the three points on the road would be would be fine with me. Um, and then we've got the Stoke game to look forward to as well. Uh, midweek they've changed their manager already, which is, um, I mean. I guess not not overly surprising given the way they finished last season. I think there was a lot of pressure on O'Neill at Stoke and they've replaced him with Alex Neal from Sunderland. I, I, I couldn't help but feel that maybe they were targeting me to be manager at some point um, given the namings that they've gone after. But uh, they've, they've picked uh, Alex Neal up from Sunderland um, where I think they've only... I think, I think he watched on in the stands as they won a game and then they've drawn and lost the two games since then. So not the most auspicious start for him uh, at Stoke. Um, they've only won that, yeah, that one game in their last five as their only win. Um, but as I sort of touched on before, I think, I think contrary to Cardiff, I mean, Stoke are the sort of side where on their day, even you look at Nick Powell, you've got Tyrese Campbell, Delap signing on loan from Man City as well. They've got some really, um, st- sort of star quality players in their lineup. Josh Tymon, I think is out injured still, so we won't see him. Um, so they, they have the players to damage us, I think, but it's just whether they gel and they click against us, um, which remains to be seen. Yeah, I also feel like Stoke are one of those bogey teams for us. I think we, mm. we do have a horrible record against them, at least in, in recent times. It always feels like when we're playing Stoke that we're, we're up against it. Um, I, I think probably means how important that Carter fixture is. I, I know that we were incredibly optimistic and, and proud of, of the start, given the fact that we got some you know crucial results against some teams that we certainly weren't expected to to be able to beat um you kind of just go now based on the the West Brom game and then the Sheffield United game uh, it just kind of falls into that that bracket if we if we don't at least pick up three points from from the next two games you can see that um you know the slide really starts to uh to kind of appear and you just don't want to be heading south before Christmas I know that sounds like one of the most obvious uh you know statements in you could make it any any football club, but given the fact we know the injury situation, and we know that we've got a lot of uh, you know team chemistry to build, uh, we just don't want to be chasing our tails. I think it would be a very unfortunate situation to find yourself in a kind of relegation scrap, uh, so to speak, early on, uh, given the fact that there's so much to to still come. So. Uh, I think three points out of these two games would be would be critical. But I, I, I certainly fancy, even though we're at, at the KCOM, I, I just think that um, that fixture against Stoke seems more tricky, uh, as you said, given the given the personnel they have at their disposal. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think three or four points from these two games is almost a must. I think, as you sort of say, we need to kind of right the ship a little bit. Um, We've also got that break over the World Cup, which will hopefully be a really great opportunity to get players fit, get 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 you know tactics and formations and systems all sort of drilled into the squad, get everyone gelled and and, and getting to know each other. Obviously, we'll lose a few players for the World Cup, um, but it, it just gives everyone a chance to catch their breath as well. So it's really about at this point of the season getting those wins and points on the board before that, just to try and bank up as many as we can now, because as you say, you don't want to be sort of chasing your tails and and trying to um, make up ground um, later on in the season. We, we, we've started very well. I think you look at that opening set of games and pre-season, we probably would have only guessed that we'd have had maybe two, maybe three wins from that lot um, anyway. So I think we've we've really sort of exceeded expectations in that sense. 
Um, and now it's just about maintaining that and, and sort of continuing on. Um, so look, it's going to be really interesting to see how we do line up because I think, especially now with Tete out as well, um, it's about managing that squad and getting that formation right because in a way it's reminiscent for me of the start of that 2014-15 season, that second Premier League season under Bruce, where I think we burnt a lot of points early in the season that we really should have banked and really should have picked up. And I think a lot of it was down to just not knowing the best team or the best formation to play. And that struggle where we were basically sitting there saying, oh, we'll be fine, like, you know, no, no dangers at all. And we ended up getting relegated. Now, I'm not, I'm not for a second saying that we're in any danger of relegation. That's not what I mean. What I mean is I think we're just going to unnecessarily burn points potentially whilst we figure out this lineup um, that could cost us a, a top six spot or they could, you know, we could be sitting there at the end of the season four or five points outside the playoffs thinking, geez, you know, if we turn that draw into a win earlier in the season, what could have been? So I, I think it's not a huge concern. I, I just think um, in terms of just figuring out that formation, getting everyone to gel, these are the two sorts of games where you'd be wanting to pick up those points. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the other thing is, you know, one of the external factors where we talk about, you know, Schotter as a, as a manager and the fact that he's still learning the, the league and it's incredibly difficult for him to try and work out, you know, who his best squad is. You don't want to be doing that under pressure. Um, mm. You don't want kind of chopping and changing uh, with, you know, huge amounts of, of challenges about, you know what position you you're sitting in. I mean, you're probably more inclined to to back your players when you're sitting around the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth positions than if you're languishing down. You know, nineteen, twenty when when it's really um, you know it's a real challenge where you're probably set up different, like not to lose games as opposed to being you know free flowing and attacking. And you just if you can avoid that, um, you know, wins like this uh, these two fixtures. Uh, certainly change the dynamic in the in the course of the season, even though it is still so early. Yeah, that's right. And we sort of saw even earlier in the season when we did pick up those sort of unexpected wins like against Norwich, where we could have a free hit, so to speak, against the Burnley or against the West Brom. We've sort of used up that free hit now and we've got to sort of earn those back by getting a couple more wins on the board, no doubt. Um, so you're sort of saying so a sort of three points, four points out of these two games? Yeah, I think uh, if, if we're going to pick up a win, it's it's more likely to be against Cardiff. I mean, touch wood. Um, but again, like there's no reason for us to be negative about the the Stoke fixture. I, we know that they've caused us, caused us trouble in the past, but another big crowd and, um, you know, particularly if we're coming off the back of a positive result against Cardiff, then we have no reason to fear them. So, yeah, four points. Four points you'd definitely take. Six points would um, would be a drastic shift as far as the trajectory of the season goes. Anything less yeah. than that, and um, and I think that the the sneaky challenges start to mount. Yeah, no doubt at all. Well, look, thank you for joining me for this one, Logan. My pleasure, Alex. Good to be here. No worries, and thanks everyone for listening in. We'll be back next week to uh, review those two games. So hopefully, it is six points in the bag, and we can uh, start looking back up that table. So until then, come on, City! You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast, The Tigers Down Under. For more discussion, join us on Facebook at the Hull City AFC Australia Facebook, or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. Time.
There's no turning back.